Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Brentford to my Fulham. It's Justin Peach. Oh, bitterly disappointing. Very harsh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our review of the playoff final. I hope you're all well. Well, let's get straight into it. Fulham are Premier League. They won the playoff final after beating Brentford 2-1 in extra time thanks to Two goals from an unlikely hero, Justin. It was Joe Bryan. Mm. But before we talk about those goals, what did you make of the game as a whole? <laughs> if I was a neutral and I was just going into it completely blind, just wanting to watch a final, it was terrible. Oh yeah, it was terribly boring. The second half in particular was probably the dullest second half of football I've watched in a long time. That last that last 10 minutes though. Woo. Oh yeah, the last 10 minutes of extra time was a roller coaster, but up until that point it was a pretty poor 90 minutes yeah. of football. Was mm-hmm. it on the same standard as Reading Huddersfield? <laughs> well, I think it was. And you consider that the amount of quality these two teams have in the side and they play out that sort of game. Yeah, it was poor, but that that Reading Huddersfield game, I think both teams were playing for a draw, whereas I think Brentford and Fulham cancelled each other out in a way. Yeah, I know what you mean. It seemed like both sides were too scared to take any risks going forwards, but at the same time, both defences were very good. And we said last week that would be the key for whoever wins, that both defences would have to be on their game mm-hmm. to get anything out of this game. And they were both on their game. They just cancelled each other out in 90 minutes. Um, Let's just go through a couple of the key incidents that did happen in the 90 minutes. The first one was the Harrison Reed tackle. Hmm. Now, I saw a lot of Brentford fans saying, that's a red card. What did you make of it? It happened so quickly. And the ref's right there. I, I think he, in that circumstance, he was right to give a yellow card. Only when you see a couple of replays, you start to see, uh, he's all right, he stood just showing, his foot's over the ball, he's gone in quite hard. You do start to lean toward a red card, mm. but as I said, right in the moment, you, you do think, yeah, yeah, the card's fine. I'm glad he didn't give a red card because it was a playoff final and it's a massive game. <laughs> and it, it would ruin the occasion if he did give a red card in, I think yeah. it was in the 20th minute, wasn't it? Sticking to the rules would ruin everything. It, it was very early on in the game and it would have been very unfortunate had he given a red card. But I have seen them given. And if yeah. that wasn't a playoff final and it was later in the game, I think he might have been sent off. No, but yeah, nonetheless... Nonetheless, it's not happened. Another key moment that stood out to me that didn't seem to get any attention whatsoever was Michael Hector's 
handball that came in from a corner and he had his arms up in front of him. The ball hits his arms, but the commentators just brushed it off like it was nothing. I thought, hang on a minute, that's handball. Mm. Now, <laughs> Do you remember what I was talking about? No, that's also passed me by as well. Okay. Just you. Wait, to me, it looked like a definite handball, but I mean... Well, oh, right. Where were his I'm, hands, Ryan? What, were, they like, were they out or were they covering his chest? Because I, I can't remember that. They were... They weren't out. They were both on his chest. And ball, he's then. gone for a header, but they both just hit his arms, both his arms on his chest. It just seemed like a handball to me. I might, I might have to re-watch it again, and I might be completely wrong, but it just looked like a handball to me. But either way, um, this game as a whole, what did you make of it? Because it seemed to me like neither side was better than the other. I saw a few Fulham fans saying they deserved the win, but I... I don't think either side deserved to win particularly. Not really. I mean, you you just got to look at the statistics. You know, uh, Brentford had 16 shots to Fulham's 14. Um, uh, 826 touches to 856. Same amount of tackles attempted. 28 dribbles completed to 27. This game was so similar, you know, right down the line. There was parallels right down the line. You know, Reyes had four saves to make. Rodax uh, had three saves. It was as even a contest as you'd get. That's why it went into extra time. Um, and it was separated. It was separated by one moment of genius and quality. Yeah, the only saves really that the keepers had to make were from far out. And then even then, they were pretty comfortable, well, weren't they? David Reyes made only... a tidy save in the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was just about to say, that... The only player who looked like doing anything going forward was Josh Anoma, mm-hmm. who's been in great form since lockdown. And also, his nickname is uh, Maradonoma or Maradonoma. Maradonoma. And it, it kind of works. It was it was saying in the commentary really. last night, which you know, I heard it again this morning. It made me spit the water out. What? Because it was so bad, or because it was no, quite it was, funny? It was great, Maradonoma. That sounds a lot better when you said it then. Yeah. That sounded better than when you initially said it. Not sure it's going to catch on, but we'll move on either way. Because I thought Josh Anoma was the only player who looked like doing anything going forwards. And yeah. that was only really in the first 20 minutes when he had two decent chances. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, it was a very poor quality game. Monty, until extra time, when suddenly mm-hmm. it all kicked off. Especially from that moment, the free kick that I've seen multiple times over social media over the past 24 hours or so. Joe Bryan whipping it in from 40 yards, catching David Rea out and managing to squeeze it in at the near post. What do you make of that moment? Well, I mean, let's break it down. It wasn't just, you know, a cleverly done free kick. This was preempted. you know. They identified that Rea stands quite far off his line at, you know, deep free kicks. Um, Parker's called Bryan over at some point in the game to discuss whenever there's a free kick in that area to have a shot because Ray is going to come out or Ray, Ray is going to stand far off his line so there's an opportunity there um, and apparently they tried it in the last game and it, and it was nowhere near the goal um, so this this was a you know a preempted, um trained on um, aspect that ultimately won full in the game you know Brentford are pouring bodies forward that's why they get a second you know Get a bit, they get a bit sloppy, but that ultimately won. Sorry, won full in the game, and it was a, it was a great free kick, <laughs> very well hit. I, you know, I feel sorry for Rare um, because he's going to get a. Well, he's had a bit of stick. You know, I've seen some of the headlines this morning, which aren't really fair because it was a very clever free kick. 
Yeah, I, I think more credit needs to go to Joe Brighton for yeah. putting the free kick exactly where he wanted to. A, a great pace as well. It was beautifully well, exactly. taken from that distance. And David Rea has got criticism for it, but he's been brilliant for Brentford this season and he's probably mm. a bit undeserved, really. The, the thing that really stood out for me about that free kick was the fact that they did a close-up of Brian's face just before he took it. And... He gave him the eyes, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he gave him the eyes, and he looked. It, it was literally a glance at the goal just before yeah. he's about to take it, and I thought, "Oh, you cheeky, you cheeky little boy!" Wasn't even, wasn't even looking. Now you almost think, as he mishit that, because the Cabano one, the Cabano one in the first half, they hit the side net, and I thought that went in. I and thought, I thought the same thing happened with Brian. I thought it hit the side net, side net. Um, so. You know, it was a, it was a strange moment because I almost looked away when the ball bounced. Yeah, I didn't know where it was going to end up until I saw Raya desperately clasping at the air. Uh, the team goal for the second goal though was superb build-up play, wasn't it? Joe Bryan again, but the build-up oh, yeah. before that was superb, wasn't it? No, definitely the the cushion pass from Mitrovic into Bryan's feet when Bryan's running at pace in the box. Um, the composure from both of those players was brilliant. Yeah, it was it was a really good goal that, and then Hemic Dalsgaard got a goal back right at the end, but it was ultimately just, way too late. Just just realised the fact that there's players like um, Mitrovic, Ben Rama, Watkins, and Buemo, they're all on the pitch, but then two fullbacks yep. get the goals. Yeah, <laughs> football. That's what wins it at the end of the day, football. doesn't it? And we did we didn't expect Fulham to to get promoted out of the playoffs, really, did we? We when at the start of the playoffs, we were thinking that Fulham probably were almost the outsiders, which mm. was weird considering the players they've got. But we thought Cardiff had a very good chance. We thought Brentford had a very good chance as well. And then Swansea were the form team going into the playoffs. So yeah. we didn't really give Fulham much of a chance going into the playoffs. But here we are. Fulham are the side that's got promoted. And we've given Scott Parker plenty of stick this season, Justin. But you've got to give him credit, haven't you? No, definitely. I, I was pretty made up for him at the end. You know, he was getting emotional. His his interviews um, after the game were, were brilliant and really insightful into the world of a football manager as well. Um, tactically, in this game, he 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 got it. He he got it spot on. At first, I thought, "Well, oh, you've dropped Knockart." Mm, I don't know. I know Mitrovic might not have been fit, um, but you know, not having Knockart in the starting lineup, I thought was a bit a bit of a strange one. Um, but it worked out um, tactically. Um, out of possession, they were brilliant all the way through the game. The fact that they nullified that front three um, and made Matthias Jensen look really average as well. You know, he's he's pivotal to Brentford um, progressing the ball uh, through the midfield and didn't get a sniff. He struggled. Uh, he, he was he was really poor all game, um, and that's because of the way Fulham set up and the way Fulham have set up since that defeat to West Brom has put them in this position now and Scott Parker we criticise him for not having a plan B but his plan B now is almost working as a plan A um, which is you know a 4-2-3 on a bit more structure it's working out for him and then you know fair, fair play to him yeah the question now though is Justin how will Fulham do in the Premier League now I've made a bit of a positives and negatives for Fulham heading into next season now jump in whenever you want so the positives I put down are that they'll have learnt their mistakes from last season. And by yeah. mistakes, I mean throwing money at an abundance of players and hoping that some of them stick. Because that just didn't work. No. All they need is 
a few bodies at most. Um, another positive is that their defence is much more solid. We know when they got relegated from the Premier League, they were scoring goals quite freely, but defensively they were leaking goals. Well, they conceded 80, didn't they? That's yeah, it was a, a massive <clears throat> amount of goals. But Michael Hector looks class, doesn't he? He's going to be so important for them next season. Yeah. And Maverick Rodak will stay in goal all season, which is mm-hmm. a problem when they got relegated because I think they had three goalkeepers, didn't they? And yeah. they never really settled on who their first choice was. But Maverick Rodak looks like he'll be the number one next season and he should stick between uh, the sticks and uh, he'll... He's shown this season that he is a top, top keeper. Uh, They will need strengthening defensively, I won't deny that. Yeah, I agree. agree. Uh, Tim Ream will need to be replaced, I imagine, and right-back's been a problem all season. And then another positive is they've still got Mitrovic, who is a Premier League striker, as we already know. Negatives, Justin. I've still got question marks over Scott Parker as a manager. I know, I disagree. That's the, it's the main issue for me. I, I don't think a lot of Fulham fans will honestly be be feeling confident of staying up with Scott Parker as manager, quite frankly. Um, he has probably not deserved the criticism we've given him. I think that's fair to say. But at the same time, I'm still not sure because they'll have to adapt the style of play. The, mo- the majority of games this season, they've relied on holding on to the ball and playing their way out of defence. They won't be able to do that in every game next season. They're going to have no. to, when they're playing a big side, they're going to have to adapt their style of play. And then no. the other negative, hang on, the other negative I was uh, going to point out was their other attacking players, aside from Mitrovic, the likes of Nokiart, Cavalero, Bobby Reed, they haven't hit the heights we were expecting this season. No. And they, I, presu- I don't know whether you replace them because they've got a lot of, big names attack wise I don't know if you replace them or you just give them a chance and hope that they'll be able to play better in a different system because that's one thing we've said all season that the system they've been using hasn't really worked for the likes of Cavalero and Nokiart I'm not too sure I'm not convinced that um, Nokiart and Cavalero will be able to work in the Premier League I think they'll have to strengthen particularly in wide areas what do you think? Going back to Scott Parker, I, I I disagree. I think we have given him stick, and the amount we've probably given him has probably been you know, very unfair, as you say. Um, he's turned this team that conceded eighty goals in the squad turnover as well. Um, they lost. Well, they say they lost. They they got rid of players and loan players out from their Premier League team, um, and then going into the Championship season, they've had to fill those gaps with ready-made championship quality that do have the potential to play in the Premier League, such as Michael Hector, uh, Nakar, and uh, Cavaliero. Now, I think tactically, Scott Parker's you know played the perfect game almost. You know, going back to the Cardiff uh, game in the second leg to shore things up, he went to uh, three at the back. It worked. You know, they looked rocky, but added a bit of stability in the net. Worked, and then going into this game, you know, he brings a doy in at right back. Um, takes Knockart out, changes this, uh, not changes the system, but they're not as fluid going forward. A bit more structured, and it's and it's worked. And he's getting the best out of players like Onoma, who've got massive potential. Cabano's kicked up a gear. You know, there there are players in this team that can kick on another gear that haven't shown us everything that they've got. Um, and I think Scott Parker's slowly starting to unleash that a bit, which is why I think you know with three or four, maybe five signings, 
they'll be absolutely fine in the Premier League next season under Scott Parker. I do think all they need is just three or four signings. Not what they did in the promotion season before, no, where they signed pretty much a whole new squad. They pretty much Don't ended Andre Schoeller's career <laughs> as well, which is deeply upsetting. Yeah, uh, all, all they need is a couple of wingers, um, a centre-back, a right-back, and getting the players who are on loan permanent, so the likes of Anoma and, and Reed, for example, mm-hmm. getting them... And that'll be it. That's all Fulham need to do. Apart from that, their squad's perfect. Still not convinced by Scott Parker, but he's a young he'll... manager. He's a young manager. He is you a know, young manager. He's learned. He said himself, he's learned a lot this season. And as I say, he's had to change a side that was in the that was just awful last season, awful. And to get them into where they were, the only disappointing thing is that they weren't ever really threatening the automatics up until the 85th minute in the last game of the season this season. Um, they weren't really threatening the automatics. That's the only negative, really, you'd take from this season. I can see what you mean. I, I'm, I, he's done a lot better since lockdown. I'll give him that. Uh, it's just, considering they're going to have to completely change their style of play next season, I'm not 100% I don't think convinced. They will. I don't think they will. Anyway, that's the end of part one. In part two, we'll talk about Brentford and a bit of the news from the past few days. If you could see us recording, you would notice that Justin and I generally wear a different football shirt almost every week. There's nothing that fuels nostalgia more than an old football shirt. And guess where you can get them? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk Absolutely. I spent plenty of money there and got myself some cracking purchases. Just recently, I started sporting an AZ Outmore training shirt and a Hoffenheim training jumper. So pretty different. Exactly that. And it's not just football shirts. You can get training wear, footballs, boots and match-worn stuff from former pros. There genuinely is something for everyone, no matter which side you support. So find what you're looking for at classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, let's talk about Brentford and what this result means for them. I've seen a lot of people, Justin, who seem to think that this Brentford side could get taken apart now. What do you think? Um, I don't think they'll get taken apart. I think there'll be key players plucked out. But I've said it before, you know, if that's the case, Brentford are a team that have shown in the past that they can easily replace those, those types of players. Um, so I've got every bit of confidence that should Ollie Watkins or Ben Rama leave, they have a ready-made, not ready-made replacement, but they have a replacement in mind to, to bring in. I completely agree. Everyone seems to think this is the end of, of Brentford now. They'll lose all the key players and that's it. They'll never get in the Premier League. But I completely disagree. I think Brentford could actually be all right next season. Now, yeah. I expect them to lose Ben Rama and Watkins. That seems pretty set in stone. Mm-hmm. But they're two very good players. But the rest of the squad... It's still very good, Justin. They've got Tarek yeah. Fosu, who looks a ready-made replacement for Ben Rama. And then they just need a striker, and they'll be strong again next season. They've been linked with Ivan Tony, who I think will be a perfect replacement for Ollie Watkins. Those two, replacing Ben Rama and Watkins, they're ready to go again next season. And I'd go as far as saying they're probably the side that I'd put down as favourites to go back up next season. Won't get won't get ahead of themselves in, just in case you know this team does get. I'm, I'm only apart, saying but... that based on 
how yeah, things yeah, yeah. are now. If they lose those two players, which I'm fairly certain about, then they're replaced. They they'll be replaced, and you've got to remember as well the championship next season isn't looking particularly strong. At this no, no, I, I do agree. And another point I want to make is you know Brian and Waymo, who has had a very good season, but we've seen, especially post lockdown, that he can improve a hell of a lot which is scary because the numbers he's posted this season and him getting better is, as I say, is a terrifying thought. Um, and then you've got the likes of um, Jensen and Jansen who had spells out of the team this season for Brentford and subsequently Brentford's form sort of coincided, yeah, dips in form coincided with their ab- absences. You know, keep those types of players fit. This this Brentford team can do a lot more than it has done. Um, the poor start last season is probably the only reason why they didn't finish in the automatics. Um, or, yeah, sorry. Yeah, poor start at the start of the season is is the reason why they didn't finish in the automatics um, this season. So there's a lot of potential in this in this uh, Brentford side, and as you say, Ivan Tony, Lyle Taylor's on a free. They've been linked with him before. Mm. They'll they'll pick somebody up quite easily. Yeah, you mentioned Embraimo there. He turns 21 on Friday. Which is 21. It's what? mental. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Because he doesn't look 21. He's absolutely massive. And as you mentioned, he is provided some unbelievable stats this season. Yeah. He's someone who's only going to get better having been having had a year in the championship. And mm. then you think Josh De Silva, Mark Hondes, these players, they're quite young still. And no, yeah. once they get a, a, another year under their belt, they're only going to get better. So I, I still think Brentford will still be very good next season. Um, one thing I have seen today is that Ollie Watkins has apparently an £18 million release clause because Brentford didn't go up, which is daylight I've robbery. I've seen conflicting um, reports with that, whether it is an actual buyout. But I've also seen, because he's been linked with Aston Villa, I've also seen Villa fans saying he's not, he's not uh, good enough for the Premier League. <laughs> Mind blown. I... What the hell? I have no idea what they're drinking, but Ollie, Ollie Watkins for me, one hundred percent ready for the Premier League. Well, I've mentioned Ben Rahm a million times; he's bound to go to a top half Premier League side at the very least. Um, but Watkins, if I was Villa, I would be eating up that release clause. I'd, I'd, I'd throw money in cash. I'd just throw the throw yeah. the cash at them. <laughs> just take it. Just take it. Give us Ollie. <laughs> Definitely, um, but yeah, I, I do think uh, Brentford will be all right next season. Uh, as I say, it does depend on who the likes of Watford gets the manager, who Bournemouth gets the manager, who they keep. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all up in the air at the moment. But as mentioned, the pre- the Championship at the moment, it's very hard to pinpoint who is going to be in the automatic promotion race this season. Because this season, you could have said Leeds. Brentford, West Brom, Fulham, Cardiff as well. All sides who probably were gunning for the automatic promotion places. Yeah. Forest as well. But next season, Brentford, really, open. it's very open. It's very open indeed. So I think I put down Brentford as my favourites at this very moment in time. Let's move on, Justin. Let's go to some of the news from the past few days. We'll start off with this. Wigan's relegation to League One has been confirmed after they lost their appeal against their points deduction. It means Barnsley will be in the Championship next season. The only word I've got for this is farcical. Mm-hmm. It, there's more than that I think <laughs> I could um, use a lot of words but I think that one just sums it up we, we've spoken about this loads of times haven't we just in this whole 
episodes that's happened is a complete farce. Um, but let's move on because I don't want to repeat ourselves. We'll say the EFL is not fit to govern. Oh no, there needs to be a government review. Simple as that. The Bristol Post says caretaker manager Dean Holden is the leading candidate for the Bristol City job and an announcement could be made in the coming days. Now, I've been looking at what Bristol fans, mm-hmm. Bristol City fans have been saying about this, Justin, and it doesn't seem to be the most popular decision. <laughs> no, no. I, again, I, I'd look into it as well. Um, and, I mean, if you're going to appoint Dean Holden, fair enough, but you've had... How many weeks has it been now since the season ended? A couple long of weeks. Time. It's been. It's been. Well, it's been about four weeks since Lee Johnson got sacked, wasn't it? Yeah. So you know, Dean Holden's had his audition. If you want to give him the job, give him the job. But then apparently there are two more managers waiting for a phone call. And you know, I think they've already lost the likes of Chris Hewton. Well, apparently Chris Hewton. This is all. Um, I can't remember the reporter's name now, so forgive me. But uh, Chris Hewton is apparently one of those managers who's still waiting to find out. Paul Cook has said no, apparently. Because apparently Paul Cook wants a year out from the game. So, fair enough to him. Um, He needs a year out, I think. Yeah, after the past few weeks. Uh, Chris Hewton, though. It's weird that they've gone from getting the double promotion winning Chris Hewton, who I imagine would be on big wages if he were to be appointed to getting Dean Holden who seems like the cheap option it's not the cheap option it's it's an it internal seems to be appointment the cheap option. right you always say these are the cheap options no this is my word work Ryan this is what the Bristol Post reporter whose name I can't remember this is what he said he said it seems like the cheap option because Bristol City had to make loads of redundancies so they've gone with someone who needs to be given a chance basically I it's not my words. Okay, fine. They normally are, but all right. <laughs> um, I've said it before about Chris Hewton. Chris Hewton, I would, I would drive my own car to pick Chris Hewton up and take him to the gates of the of the ground because he doesn't doesn't guarantee promotion, but he puts you in a top six frame of mind straight in away in the conversation. Yeah, he, he puts you in the conversation and. You almost see it as an investment. Uh, there's there's a great deal of sympathy in terms of redundancies, but you know the club has spent an absurd amount on players and players' wages in the past, and um, but they're not going to spend a little bit more for Chris Hewton. It doesn't make sense to me. No, I completely agree, Chris Hewton. If you're a championship club, you go for Chris Hewton, don't you? Sky Sports says Bournemouth are considering Eddie Howe's assistant manager, Jason Tindall, as his replacement. That's something we spoke about last week as well. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they eventually, <laughs> if they decided to do that from the sounds of it. That's The, the cheap option. That Well, <laughs> not my words, but it seems to be the road that they're going down. Uh, the vice chairman of Hull has released a statement saying the club are standing by manager Grant McCann. It also says they're confident the players will be able to help them bounce back to the championship next season. No. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, they won't. You know, without, without disrespecting the players, um, how many goals did they concede since January? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what this, why the vice chairman is looking at when he sees that squad because it's not the same group of players that I'm looking at, clearly. <laughs> Uh, I, I, honestly, I'm trying to find words to try and sum up what I'm thinking other than, Christ, mate, what are you on? Um, well, well, the thing is, as well, we... that statement makes it sound like they're not going to strengthen this summer. 
which would be utterly bizarre, considering the squad, as we know, is pretty qualityless without the likes of Bowen and Grasicki. And then, even though that squad was pretty poor, they've still lost four key players in Irving, Madison, Kingsley, and you're going to remind me what the other one is. Lehigh. That's it. They've lost four key players there, and they've been left with a squad that is pretty barren when it comes to actual quality. So I have no idea what they're thinking there. Let's talk some transfer news, Justin. Mike van der Horn has left Swansea after his contract expired. That is going to be one hell of a signing for someone, isn't it? I don't know if it's going to be a championship club or a lower Premier League club. Whoever gets him is getting a quality player. No, definitely. Someone's going to get very van der Horny about it, but... I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised we've not made that joke already. But, um, you know, a ball-playing centre-half who is a very good defender and a free transfer, I think any team, you know, with hopes of promotion or avoiding relegation from the Premier League or bottom half of the Premier League will be rubbing their hands together because he's a Premier League quality player. I was on All Leeds TV the other day and I said Mike van der Horn is a perfect addition to that squad even if he doesn't play every week even if he's just a squad player he's a brilliant backup to whoever they get in whoever that may be I would I think there'll be a lot of clubs lining up to get him Lee Camps left Birmingham after two years Justin sad news because we love a bit of Campy on this show but I imagine he'll be at a championship club again won't he's the he's just the constant backup to a championship club isn't he he's yeah he's Everyone's last-minute decision. He's the best last-minute decision you'd make. Yeah, I'm just waiting for when he's still a free agent just before the transfer window closes and a goalkeeper gets injured for six months or whatever. Yeah. Lee Camp, get him in. There Is you Lee go. Camp available? He'll be doing this job until he's 50, 60 years old. <laughs> there have been numerous reports. Forrest have rejected a £10 million bid from Sheffield United for Matty Cash. That's a match made in heaven. I'd love to see cash at Sheffield United Sky Sports Sky Sports say QPR have turned down a £12 million bid from Crystal Palace for Eberechi Easy he's going to go somewhere into £12 million seems a bit cheap though and finally the Telegraph says West Brom are looking to get rid of Kieran Gibbs Kenneth Zahor and Ollie Burke they're also looking to bring in Anthony Robinson who has a £1.5 million release clause the one player I wanted to point out there Justin is Kenneth Zahor which we've mentioned loads of times Justin that there are so many championship clubs who need a striker. Kenneth Zahort could be a very good signing for someone. Really? I know he cost a lot of money for West Brom and he didn't live up to expectations. But if he went to like a Preston or someone like that, I think it'd be brilliant. Has he done anything since that? He had that spell at Cardiff where he hit double figures one season. That was only and then, two seasons ago. That was longer than that. It was longer no, than it that. Was when it was before, no, it was before that. It was a season before that. Either way, he's a striker who has got the capabilities, hasn't he, to be he's a got, very good he's player. He's got it in the locker, yeah. I don't know whether you know whether the West Brom team was a right fit for him, um, but perhaps yeah, someone like Preston. But as you say, you know, he's cost a fair bit of money. He's going to be on a fair bit of money as well. Mm. Um, I, I think so, whoever gets him, it will have to be a loan because I can't see yeah, anyone yeah. forking out five million quid for him, especially with his wages as well. Right. That's been the transfer news from the past few days. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening. This has been our playoff final 
review. It's been emotional. It's been a long old season, Justin. We've got here to the end. The season's it's been a year. I know. It's been a whole year since the season started. We've done episodes every week now for 14 months. <laughs> Jesus. I know. When you put it I didn't like even that, think about that. I know. When you put it like that, it's quite impressive, isn't it? That's why we're having a well-deserved break over the next few weeks. And then we'll be... We only get two weeks off, don't we? It's not long. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right and ready again for when the season is back. Not sure when that is, but keep an eye on our social media and we'll keep you updated with that. We are going to be providing you with interviews, second-tier meets over the next few weeks or so. So keep an eye out for that. We've got loads of players lined up and other people in the world of football as well. So stay tuned. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.